This pot is worth two slaves. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the malnutrition, maleficent, magnificent, maladjusted mal from Firefly, Candyman, Can. Justin Waddell, what's up, sir? Nothing much. Candyman just came out. Is that what the reference was to there? I don't know. It just, it just words pop out. Did you go see that movie? No. There's a Nightstick song called Candyman, Can. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, is that after a Willy Wonka? No. Where's the no, where the Candyman can't? Where did that come from, Willy Wonka? I don't that think. Song I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Who knows? Can't zoom in. This isn't a Willy Wonka episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm a teen. The second can is pretty hot, if you know what I'm saying. That guy's kind of, uh, after I first noticed him in, was it Aquaman? Yeah, it's kind of his first, at least that that I knew of him. He's he's had quite a career. He has a great career going, and he's going to be in a lot of stuff. And his face is so pockmarked. Is it? I didn't notice, but I do like him a lot, and uh, very much enjoyed him in Watchmen, the he, TV show. He's fantastic in that, and uh, I, that makes me look forward to his every role. I have yet to see Candyman, but I, I will. I'm in no hurry because I didn't like the original. That's right. You're not a fan, and that trailer really wore me out. Well, they've been showing it for a number of years. Uh, building up to this release. Uh, anyway, Nick, how are you doing? I, I know you're still traveling. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the heart of COVID. Loving Florida, man. Loving people, love their beliefs. It's pretty great. Have you encountered anything strange in Florida that you can mention to us? I was. Uh, I played golf yesterday, and I was uh, going to get a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, and I was at the drive-thru. And in the parking lot of this place, there were five gigantic trucks with five gigantic flags that said... Fuck Biden and fuck you for voting for him. They said that's what those things said for real? In huge letters. And then they also had bumper stickers that had the name Biden and then a stick figure humping the bee. <laughs> and I pulled I pulled over after I got my coffee. I did a big swig right in front of him, rolled my window down. I said, dump him out. <laughs> I don't care who you believe, who you care about, who, who your party is. Don't be a cosplay bullshit. I do. What I'm saying spoiler is this. Spoiler for Candyman, by the way, also humping a bee in that movie, I hear. <laughs> it, it's doing well. It's doing well this weekend. Is, I, wasn't, I wasn't tracking it. I don't, I, don't look, I don't go to box office mojo anymore. You only, Are you still, you still go there? No, but I, on my, Facebook, or my Twitter feed, somebody was saying that it did good. Tony Todd has somehow generated a ton of love and a ton of respect 
despite having done very little of value. <laughs> First of all, he's got a big thumbs up for me just because he has a great name. Tony Todd is a very good name. Right. He also seems like a very nice gentleman in interviews. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a, a, a stand up guy, but. And he was good and he was he was good in Candyman. You I didn't mean, think so, huh? And he, I mean, I know him from that. I know him from the Night of the Living Dead remake. And I know him from being a cameo actor in low grade horror films. He's also, he'd also, like, every once in a while, he showed up in, like, Final Destination as, like, a creepy, like, Well, he was corner. the voice of death, wasn't he? Sort of. Was he? He just had a weird cameo in that. And I don't know. I, I don't... He, he's, he's been um, crushing it for so many years in horror films. Tony, he's always showing up. Tony Todd sounds like a porn name a little bit, too. That does. Yeah, what about you? What's going on in your neck? I mean... Not much. Working and keeping busy. And you know, I was trying to learn. Um, I was trying to maybe venture into disc golf. How'd that go? How'd that go today or yesterday? I didn't go because I got what I did is I took my kids to buy Frisbees and we just threw the Frisbee around. But I, I might go buy a set of disc golf clubs or whatever they're called and mm-hmm. just try it. Would you be up for trying that with me or no? Yeah, I'd give it a shot. I mean, it well, seems like an age appropriate thing to do. Yeah. You know, for so like you know, you're about to give up. Let's play some disc golf. Exactly. I just didn't know people took it so seriously. I thought it was just a fun thing you could do with your kids, but there are some people really powerhouse disc golfers out there. It would be funny to show up, uh, like or get there before the the sun rises, mm-hmm. and just stand by one of the goals all day dressed as Sark. <laughs> what for? <laughs> From Galaxy Quest? From Tron? David Warner. So- Who's the, who's the bad guy in Galaxy Quest? I don't know. It's close. But just standing there and like you're scouting, you know, get, get keep that in people's minds. See if they can keep their head game going, knowing that Sark is watching. I wonder if you could ever just, on a regular golf course, just bring some Frisbees, start mixing the two genres, the two sports together. That would take a long time. What do you mean? We figure like a par five is like five, six hundred yards. Them's a lot of throws. Hmm. What kind of army got on you? After 30 years of baseball and softball, not much. But I've got a good uh, note-taking arm. I'll tell you that. You did text me that you were taking a lot of notes during your viewing of this movie, which I think you've seen quite a few times. Like, how many times do you think? A lot. A lot. Like, how many? I'd say Guess probably 15. Jeez. It's a war of attrition. You know, you slowly peel back layers. And of course, in today's world, there's this revisionist thing going on. Obviously, you have people who were born into the Star Wars prequels that have a much different opinion of them because of the emotional connection. But then you also have the gigantic anti-Disney group of people that I have just no time for. They're trying to weave uh, stories about the glory of some of these movies. You know, we'll get into it in a minute, you know. But I like it. Well, whenever we do these, whenever we do Star Wars movies, they definitely get a lot of uh, of listens, and I'm sure these will be no exception. You know, chance for people to, uh, you know, we're all gluttons. Like we we soak this shit up. We don't have to agree with it, but we certainly soak it up, and we like to stand near the carnage. You saw that Tandy Newton today was complaining about the fact that they changed her character's fate in Solo when they got rid of Lord and Miller. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad complaint, and I mean, she signed on for a character that could have been brought back. And they just blew her up. Or I'm sorry, Ron Howard blew her up. You, you don't like that? I don't care. It's like you, yeah. you're a piece of something, you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't see Snaggletooth penning an editor's letter. 
I think her point was that she was the was she the first black actress to have a substantial role in a Star Wars movie? And then they killed her and she thought it was just a missed opportunity. I didn't think it was too much of a slam. I agree with her. I like that movie. I could have been fine if Tandy survived. Maybe she gets shot in the foot and they Radio Shack agrees. What? They wish Tandy survived as well. <laughs> I think she's a very, very like she's like a descendant of Sir Isaac somehow. From the bartender from Love Boat? <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton. Oh, okay. She's got a, She's had a wonderful career, though. She's in the Mission Impossible series. She's in Westworld series. It's a good actress. She's in the Guy Ritchie canon. You know. Yeah, she's she's amazing, and she always she didn't she come up with um, Nicole Kidman? Weren't they kind of early co-stars? Oh, I didn't don't. And they know. start out together, sort of. Don't know. I think they did. I think they did. And I think didn't she just change her name to be more authentic to her heritage? Yes. Right. So, but anyway, I don't know what her new her 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 actual name is but yeah i always enjoyed her and stuff she was in that movie i love with um gridlocked with um i'm gonna Tim Roth. i'm gonna keep calling her tandy newton because i can't say squidlock tormonched too often without causing trouble Tim Roth and uh, she's in that event she's in that abortion manchurian candidate remake oh tupac well, i don't know why i just blanked on his name he's in that you get Bondi t- curtis hall a lot of people confuse tim roth and tupac I just saw it. They're both in it. They're both in it. I just saw Vondi Curtis Hall in something just last week, and he's old now. Right, yeah. He showed up in something kind of... He was in the night house. Right. Was he good? You said he was good. He was good. I was I was a little bit disturbed by his forehead wrinkles, to be honest. He has... I don't know if he's always had a perennial furrowed brow, but it looked like... He looked like one of those Sharpays. Well, yeah, we're all getting older. Can't keep it you know, tight and locked down forever, right? No. Uh, you, At some point. The earth wins every time, you know. It's the truth, man. Super, super zoom. <laughs> Depressing zoom. Yeah. So I didn't realize the earth was in a battle. I guess it is, right? The earth is trying to, to win. We shouldn't be human. We shouldn't be here. We're a mistake. Um, we have outlived our usefulness. And earth is saying, I'm going to deliver uppercut after uppercut until you guys are finished. And it's working. I mean... <laughs> It's work. Well, hey, welcome to the Phantom Menace podcast. Deadly storms smashing the earth asunder, uh, unrest amidst the, the the people of this fine country and world. You know, nature. Don't forget, don't forget COVID. COVID wants us out. You know, they push venom to January. Quite a transition. Folks, it's a movie microscope. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through circuitry eyes and stomach danglers and castrate ourselves amongst the amethyst until the crystars form around our nodules and we penetrate each other slowly but silently until we understand why it is that we're watching movies. And then together we form a sort of fleshy Voltron and watch a film through circumcised eyes and decide what makes or breaks, share it with the likes of you. So if we were talking about Little Man, we wouldn't talk about the scene where he miniaturized Damon Wayans, rolls into a ball and is mistaken for Metroid. We talk about the little moments, and there are a ton 
in today's feature of The Phantom Menace. I don't need to ask you what your relationship to this film is, but go ahead and tell me anyway. How old is this movie now? 1999? That is correct. Quite a long time ago. 21 years? You zoom in? Is that correct? 22 years? This film's old enough to drink. I was so excited for the return of Star Wars, like many. I was... I thought the trailers were magnificent. The trailers looked at, were incredible for this film. The trailers were like events. You know, people would just go see movies to see the trailers. Meet Joe Black, I, I think, was the film that had it on there. And so I even did something pretty unique where I, you know, sometimes I'd go see a movie at midnight. But for sure, I saw this one at midnight and I took my wife. Still together. My girlfriend. Still together. My girlfriend somehow. at the time. Not even my wife. And um, she fell asleep during it. It's okay. And afterwards, I was like, I, I thought we were in trouble in this movie whenever Liam and Ewan McGregor started talking right at the beginning. I thought I sensed I sensed something was amiss. And at the end, I thought, wow, that was pretty good. I have to think about this. Yeah, we all got it in. We got suckered in. My wife said, Was was Ewan McGregor even in it? I said, You fall asleep that quickly? You know, but so that was it. It was like kind of one of those things I think we all re- like I wrestled with my feelings for this movie and then Went and saw it again to try to shore those feelings up. It didn't work. How about you? you know, obviously, I was covering it very heavily. and It was a big part of the site I used to run's growth. It was a big deal. Very hyped up for it. I was hugely disappointed, but I forced myself to like it. And I forced myself to keep trying to understand and explain what it, exactly it was that it had done. And I don't know if you remember, Kevin Smith actually wrote a review for Chud of this movie back in the day. No, I don't remember that. Quickly became apparent that um, the emotional connection Star Wars had on us was our undoing. And uh, and then it became a matter of trying to find the little moments that made or break. But I'll tell you, it's funny because I think it was very therapeutic. I think it. I think a lot of us, myself especially, had a unhealthy attachment to Star Wars. And this helped break that. Uh, and I was able to then enjoy this stuff on a case-by-case basis, which I had not been able to do before that. And partially because a lot of it had been so good. Even mm-hmm. even some of the books and stuff like that that were that are now not canon, there was a lot of good stuff in there. So, you know, but it's funny, now I revisit it. I revisited it a lot, and I watched it with my kids when they were sort of old enough. And I, I watch this movie like every couple of years for some stupid reason. I think there's a lot in this movie. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's a movie I don't like that much. But there is stuff in it that I do like. And I can see Lucas really trying to set the table, you know, for an epic here. But it's just there's so many bad decisions being made. But that's okay. I mean, and that's the thing about talking about this movie is so many people have just, you know, beat this one to death. So when I watched it this time, I really was trying to keep an open mind and and, and find stuff that I that I liked and couldn't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I tried. This is the perfect example <laughs> of collaboration being so important in big films. That's why, right. you know, a lot of people think of the Disney Marvel stuff as these films by a committee and mm-hmm. cookie cutter things, even though they are anything. But but I think there's, a you know, to have checks and balances in place to keep too much dictatorship control is a good thing. And in this this case, mm-hmm. Lucas, who was a little bit out of touch, I mean, he was he was a billionaire at the time. This is an independent movie. He paid for it himself. So it's not like right. he had to answer to anybody. But I think when he had a Gary Kurtz or whomever, Irving Kirshner or whoever working with him, I think there was a little bit more oversight. Um, but once again, Star Wars is still alive and kicking. And this is just yeah, part, this, of the, part of the tapestry this, now. The thing that's crazy about Star Wars. Well, I mean, it's not crazy, really, because it's just it's, you know, whatever you make, typically whatever you release typically makes a lot of money right and so a failure like this 
critically, you know, obviously financially it wasn't, it can just lead to so much better thing. Like so many better things, like people really love the clone wars, which spins directly from this, right? So, or from the, from this trilogy, they always kind of correct their mistakes. That's why I'm interested to see how, how they're going to do that with rise of the Skywalker. Cause you know, they're going to try to, to kind of correct that mistake somehow, or at least spin some of that stuff into, into something new, like Ray's origin story and all that, you know, where she comes from. I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to put their, th- their heads in the sand about that whole thing. I think that they will. I think that they'll, they'll figure out how to make that better. I don't know if it's going to be completely satisfying, but I bet they'll make it better. Lucas, like he's, he's a trailblazer. This, this has to be the first movie. I imagine that people lost their minds. Fans lost their minds, thought that they could write the movie, rewrite the movie, lodge, like sue Lucas, like, you know, all this shit, all this crazy stuff. The fans against George, George Lucas, like all this, that, this stuff can, I think you could trace it back to this movie mm-hmm. that we're still going through now. Well, I think the, the special editions were the Harbinger and we didn't know any better because the stuff he did in, in those movies was, was That's true. dangerous, yeah. very dangerous. But yeah, so uh, the premise of this film is very fucked. It's uh, it's politics and a power taxation. a power struggle, taxation, all the things we've come to love from Star Wars. And it kicks off. You get that Lucasfilm logo. You get that music and that crawl. And so much of the lifting is done. Like you're already there. And instantly, he starts to stick his little tendrils into you with with some mistakes. Uh, I will say that this this new uh, remaster, though, is quite nice because I remember watching it a few years back and being just blown away by how bad it looked and how it had aged. But yeah, watch this on Disney Plus. I imagine you did as well. I I watched it from uh, Apple uh, movies, which I, you know, I'd bought the most recent. Yeah. So I thought it looked pretty good uh, on Apple Plus. Yeah, no, I think that he really kind of sets the stage here and kind of teases the way this movie is going to go from the first line that shows up on screen. Let's hear it. Long time ago in a galaxy jar jar away. <laughs> so I thought, man, he really tipped his hat his his hand there. Um yeah, that whole crawl, you know, people make fun of this crawl because there is a lot of work it's trying to do. And it's talking a lot. It is, I think the word taxation does appear in it or something, tax federation, something. But there's two paths this movie's on. Lucas is trying to say obviously something meaningful and true about, you know, power grabs and but he also knows that that's kind of going to be boring to some people or confusing. So then he he invents a character that is like Jerry Lewis or Charlie Chaplin or something. You know, he that's why I imagine Jar Jar Binks is so prominent in this is because a lot of the other stuff is pretty heavy and you know and thick to get through. And then, you know, and, and and then the fans just want to see Darth Maul. So well, they do for about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to meet. Guess you would say they're sort of the villains of this movie, or the Demaudians. Yeah. which are a species of uh, weird-lipped aliens that speak with awful, insensitive... Uh, right, and Lucas got... He got uh, definitely dinged for that. We would never do anything without the approval of the Senate. Like, right. just... Pretty good. So bad. So bad. The Jedi Knights who have been, you know, in the in the original trilogy have been set up as this mystical race of galaxy-spanning do-gooders and badasses and all that. We meet them, and they are doing, basically, they're gophers. They're sort of just, they're on behalf of the council doing these little kind of milk run type of things. Uh, they go they're go. on something, they're there, as they put it, on something pretty trivial that shouldn't take that long. Like, it's going to be boring. I don't know if it's business as usual, but they're not expecting anything to happen as they kind of negotiate for Prince Amidala's side, right? Is it for Naboo? Prince. Who could forget our 100th episode? A princess, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Well, should we go through the cast real quick? No one knows who's in this. Do we? I mean, we can. Hugh Corsi plays Captain Panaka. Is there anybody Panaka. else? Panaka. It's Panaka, I think. Yeah, I said that. Ray Park. Oh, he plays uh, Ray Park yeah. in this. Yeah, he, he wrote. It was the- recently um, uploaded and and then deleted a video of him, someone blowing him yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Someone giving him oral sex. Yeah. That was last year, but you know, I don't think it's crumbled his career. Some people thought it was um, hot. Revenge porn, but I think maybe it was just an accident. He just was, uh-oh, fat-fingered his phone, uploaded the old <laughs> oral sex video to Instagram. Hate when that happens. Well, I mean, you know, it's just like anything else. The experience itself obviously wasn't enough. He had to have his camera recording like he was at a concert or something. And then Sarah Finowitz actually did his moans in that in that video. Did you see it? Yeah. So then uh, Brian Blessed in this, which I never knew it was him. Boss Nass. Nass, which is a great Star Wars name. Yeah, I'm at best as Jajar. You have yeah, two actors that got kind of their careers got torpedoed by this movie. I'm at best, who's still out there and a talented guy, and Jake Lloyd, who plays the young Anakin Skywalker, who you know got a lot of flack for this his his role as he was. I don't know how old he was in this. Seven. I mean, he looks pretty damn young in this. Yeah, he's super young. Six. Barely on Earth before he got in this role. And then learned a hard lesson afterwards that people are really mad when Star Wars goes wrong. Sadly, now a paranoid schizophrenic I read on internet, which is the internet, which is that's a terrible thing. So speaking of Sark, right? (laughs) Yeah, he was involved in space paranoids. I guess it kind of ties the room. Is that that one of the games in Tron? That is the game in Tron. Terrence Stamp in this. Terrence Stamp, Ian McDiarmid. McNulty shows up in this for a minute from The Wire. Oh, really? Dominic West is in this? Uh, you got Kira Knightley. And then you got the Holy Trinity. Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, and one Liam Neeson himself said he didn't read the script before he signed on. He wanted so badly to be in Star Wars. Do you think he regretted that a little bit? He got paid. I don't think so, man. He got he got to do his thing. He took off, and he didn't have to deal with the flag. Qui-Gon. Yeah, it's his name here. Qui-Gon Jinn. You got the voice of Frank Oz. I mean, you got the whole crew. You got the voice of Anthony Daniels. You got the bleeps and bloops. R2-D2. Frank Oz in this. Frank Oz, like uh, Yoda. I, I forgot that Yoda was like naysaying Anakin in this. Like, hey, 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 hold your horses, guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so fast on this little hold guy. Your, I can't see. Hold your father ears. Yeah, this guy, I can't see. His, his future is cloudy. I, I don't think we should train this, this bitch. And then... Um, <laughs> And then Qui Gon insists. If that were later, Obi Wan. If that were a line in this movie, Obi Wan beardless in this. What'd you think of that? Does that throw you a little bit? You got Pernilla August. (laughs) It's it's Shmi. Shmi Skywalker, who is who is Liam Neeson is very handsy with her in this. (laughs) He is always having his hands on her shoulders. Yeah, I mean Um, it's it's low. You got you got Greg Proops. Yeah, Proops in here. Yeah. yeah. Comedian Greg Proops. A whole bunch of people. And so, you know. It's a Bulba in this. <laughs> playing himself. <laughs> and so we, we start to realize that. Um, so our, our, our Jedi are, are sabotaged. They're left for dead. They are attacked by droid Dakars, which are those power destroyer droids. The battle droids, right? Well, the battle. And then there's the regular droid army, which are. One of the more annoying elements of this movie. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's hold hold quickly on this battle droid. These guys are they called the? Are they the battle droids? The the, the kind of dog eared droids. Dog eared. You talking about the things that roll up as a ball? 
No, what about the other guys? That those are the guys that get sliced all the time. Aren't those the, the battle droids? They're too cute to hate. <laughs> I can't hate them. I, I wish like the stormtroopers are kind of. They're also kind of cute, honestly. But they're they're. I don't mind when they die. But these guys, they not only are they cannon fodder, but I get sad when I see them sliced in half. It's not fun. I can't They're hate anybody who shows up crouched to the battlefield. Yeah, and there's I guess there's a lot of them, and that maybe that's the strategy. They suck, they can't do anything, and they can't fight. But if we throw a hundred million there, it'll just stall, and then the real work can be done. Well, there's yeah, apparently they, they do kill some people in this, but it's we ain't seeing it. But the, the Jedi Knights, man, they are supposedly sabotage, you know, they get poison gas, they got all these droids. Nuh-uh. Lucas is yeah, like, I'm going to start this film off showing off how badass these guys are. The, the crew that they came with does get killed. Their ship gets blown up. And the Jedi, you know, Liam Neeson hears a blow up and he he stands to attention. He's like, what has happened? I feel a disturbance up in this. And then the poison gas comes out. That's okay. They're Jedi. They get, ain't got time for no poison gas. Let's talk about some of the new skills that they are, the Jedi are given in this, in right. this film. Now, people always complain when the Jedi get new skills, right? That was a big point of contention in Last Jedi, which I love. But in this one, the powers do seem a little ridiculous to me because they, and cute, <laughs> they zip. They zip out of frame like the Flash at one point. Right. Both of them in unison, both Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They, and they, if they could do that, why is Anakin at the end running toward Darth Maul in slow motion, basically? He meant Obi-Wan. I, to save it to the same Liam. Why does he just turn on the um the afterburner? They get up and go juice. Yeah. yeah. And they jump really far, crazy fast. They do. You know what? There, there's a skill they haven't developed, and it's shown in this film several times. Hmm. The ability to withdraw things from their robes cleanly. <laughs> there are quite a few scenes where they are fumbling around with their sleeves trying to get shit. Don't try to tell it to Shmi Skywalker. <laughs> Well, Neeson's around. Yeah, he was all over her sleeve. Yeah, you're right. What do you think of um, when uh, Palpatine, not yet Palpatine, utters, calls someone stunted slime in this? <laughs> I missed that. Good rip. Get that stunted slime out of my face or something. He calls someone stunted slime. What I don't understand is why Lucas felt compelled to try to make it a mystery. That character isn't the villain of the series. I mean, anybody who's anybody knows who that bastard is. You could just look at his hair. He's got that 90s hair. You know he's the villain. Yeah, he is. And he's good. I think he's, you know, obviously always, you know, loved. He's a big part of the one thing that people don't knock is his performance. How do you say his last name? Mc- McDarm- McDarmid? McDarmid. McDarmid? I think there's an end at the end, end at the end, is there? Oh, uh, McDarmid. Sorry. Yeah. You think of Francis McDarmid. When Qui-Gon, like they escape, they, they they slice some droids, and then he decides to melt the door with his lightsaber. It's another new skill. That's, that's a new one on me. And it start it starts to work. It kind of works, doesn't it? Doesn't he get through? Yeah. Or well, I don't know if he gets through. He almost gets through, right? But that door's melting like like American cheese on a grill. I do like I do like the moment where five hundred degrees when you got the lid closed yep. on a burger. That we when the when the when they when the first when the doors first open on the on the droid ship there and the lightsabers mm. appear in the smoke you're like this is going to be so cool mm. and then well then they attack a bunch of like cutie pies <laughs> that's what i don't like it makes me not like the jedi because they're really they're doing all sorts of like crazy martial art moves of flipping over shit and then just stabbing cuties yep 
And plus, and, and, and the and, droids have cute voices too. You can't just can't discount that. Roger, Roger. Cute voice. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great if some if they, if they would said no, you know, no, don't you know all the time before they get sliced. I've got kids. They have no. <laughs> that makes me not like the Jedi that much. Now I knew why Luke in the Last Jedi was like it's time for the Jedi to die because he's remembering how badly they mistreated the battle bots, yeah. or whatever they're called, the battle droids. Amidala shows up soon, looking nuts. It's looking crazy in this movie. Which version of her? I know she's also plays a decoy, right? But she, she just made. I mean, her costumes are fantastic, but she's looking a little insane. And then she got Batman voice. I forgot about that. Yeah. She does the Batman voice. Not quite, but <laughs> close. Yeah. And uh, who's her right hand man? I mean, Hugh Corshi. What's his character's name? Captain Panaka. It's not a bad Star Wars name, but you know what else isn't a bad Star Wars name? Hugh Corshi. That could have been in the movie. Yep. He could have just played himself. Yep. Captain Hugh Corshi. Yep. Captain Corshi. Look, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. And, and we start to get some of the politics there. Obviously, the, the, the people of Naboo, uh, which is an awful name, um, it's not good. Are, are, are in the midst of this power struggle. And, and at the time, Palpatine is her kind of consigliere, and uh, he's given her some bad advice. And then, of course, the, the residents of Naboo are also having a shit time, including C.O. Bibble, who is one of my favorite characters, because he is so chill. He is so chill in this movie. Even when the, the stakes are high, he is chilling out. Well, they, they threaten him with death, and he's just like, all right. You know, he doesn't. Yeah, and he's like, what? So he's like Portman's. Um, or Amidala's like he's a, he's got a job. Somebody yeah. he's in there, right? He's in there. He's in the party. You know, let's just take a pause on Naboo real quick. You said that that's a terrible name. That's the thing about Star Wars is you gotta you gotta name and move on. There's so much to name, right? And so every once in a while, you're not gonna hit one out of the park. Naboo, Dooku, things like that. What's the what's the cigarette guy and the the guy's named Alien Sleeps Bagano. And so every once in a while, you got Dexter Jetster coming our way soon. You, know, you you miss every once in a while you miss, but then when they get one that's great, like the guy you just mentioned, Co Bibble, it's amazing. Yeah, there's nothing better. Yeah, I I imagine Co Bibble having a huge vape in his coat, and he just takes big rips on that when whenever he's off camera. They're like he's there's smoke that. coming in from the side of the frame, and and Amidala's ignoring it, but it's just his super. He's doing vape tricks and shit like that because he is laid back. Theo Bibble makes it to the end and he's holding a metal that is shaped like a sphere and it is uh, pulsating he is holding, for no reason. They don't no, explain He's it. holding Bill Murray's bowling ball at the end, I think. Yeah, and he's just, and he's like the, I'll deliver this medal in the highest way possible because you know he has been ripping that vape oh my God, right before yeah. the medal set. He, he, he took yeah. Alien up on his offer for some death sticks. Bibble, by the way. Yeah. A great name. You know, but here's the here's the here's the true fact about this. John Williams is still hitting ropes into the power alleys, man. You know, the one thing that you can count on is Williams is is strapped, his veins are pulsing, and he is sending haymakers of magic music into the sky and sound. You know, I I never peeped uh, John Williams. I, I you know too close. Is he ripped? Like is he? No, no. Is I'm, he a muscular? No, as a, like he's just he's he's ripped on the page. Yeah, but is he also is he also jacked? No, let me. Are you sure? Yeah. That'd be amazing. I think it'd be so good if he's a pumped up composer. You know, just like like he's like looks like The Rock. Can you imagine? Like he like he got that cut. It's like watching like J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon coming in, strapped out. You know, 
be so good. John Williams, man. Yeah, he does deliver. Um, you know what? I, here's the thing about Star Wars movies like the in this in in this. Uh, and we'll have to take note of this in the other movies to see if it keeps happening. But there's always scenes with a bunch of blank looking sitters. You know, like so they'll have a scene where there's a couple of our characters talking, and then in the background, there's just a bunch of people sitting, like on the Jedi Council, mm-hmm. just lounging, yeah, not doing anything. Right. You know, every once in a while, there's like a long necked dude, kind of moving his head, but everybody else is kind of having a conversation, and they're just sitting there. Yeah, you know, and I just do you think that's something that's like a motif? I think you got to. That's gonna. I think you got to fill the frame, man. You got to. You got a lot of action figures to set up, and then of yeah. course, you know, this film was notorious for Lucas trying a lot of digital artistry, building the sets up to the height of the tallest actor, and that's it. A lot of a lot of stuff thrown in there. So, yeah, definitely Neeson, and maybe Stamp and Christopher Lee in later film, but. Um, you know, so these guys are sent to Naboo to deal with this struggle down there. So they go down there and there's a skirmish going on. And that's where we meet mm-hmm. Jar Jar Banks, who is, of course, right, the maligned yeah. character that everybody universally hates. Uh, Lucas was trying his damnedest to come up with something to, to ha- make kids happy while this talk was happening. And immediately, immediately there are red flags. You know, I think it, it really, truly there are. Um, but I know how to fix Jar Jar. I figured it out. Okay, it's his voice. His voice is too like helium. Uh, like they should make give him like a gravelly deep voice. You're right. That would have solved it. Don't you think so? Make him talk a little slower. You know. I mean, or they should just CG a helmet over him. How wooed? Yeah, you know, something Exqueeze like that. Squeeze me. I think they could have. He could have been more formidable. Like. But, you know, it, still the pratfall, still the craziness, but he just has that deep, almost like sensual voice. Yeah. You know, I think that could have made like that very character. white kind of thing. But I mean, I'm sure this character works for like kids like they I'm sure and it has. I think I mean, it did. You know, it's it's I think it's a it's a swing and a miss. But I mean, look, we've lived with this character for 20 plus years. It's fine. And it's, I, I like look. all the attempts they've made too. like, you know, he has a much more diminished role in the subsequent movies. They um they somebody tried to make him out to be the the big bad in the Disney films. They were to say he was gonna be some sort of dark Jedi or whatever. They tried. It's awful. I thought I think it would have been great if they did somehow integrate him into the sequel series in a, a role where he was sort of valuable uh, and just yeah. kind of help help that. Because they did a well, lot that, of repair work on other characters. Have, did they have like I've never seen the Clone Wars. Is, does he figure he must I know he shows up Wars. in one of those things, but I haven't watched it. One of the things that the fans screamed that Jar Jar couldn't be in these in the in the prequels, and they wrote him out. Like it worked, you know. It's like the, they petitioned it. They everybody heard their cries, and so wasn't he supposed to be like one of the main characters? He was right. Yeah, That's what yeah, Lucas envisioned. Yeah. So, so they got him out of they there. Rescue, they rescue Jar Jar, uh, and he owes them a debt. And so they, he kind of is part of the team for better or worse. And you know, you didn't talk about how Jar Jar. It's a meet cute between him and Neeson. Okay, go ahead. Neeson runs into him and Jar Jar clings to him, like, you know, front to front. Mm -hmm. And Neeson's running, (laughs) running with Jar Jar away from these huge battle, like battle droid ships, right? Or whatever the hell they are. You were Um, talking about how to fix Jar Jar. And you're talking about changing his voice. There's a quicker way. Just have him jump on Liam 69 position. (laughs) And that's how he'd be cute, you know? 
Natalie Portman had to meet Hugh with uh, Quarshi, which was kind of cool. Um, so Jar Jar basically, you know, they, they, they've got to go get out of town because there's all those oppressive forces. So Jar Jar says that he's going to take them to the Hidden City. Of course. And you do you remember how he takes them to the Hidden City? Yeah, he just jumps in the lake. It's right there. Yeah. It's literally, you go into the lake and it's right there. The Hidden City. Let's, let's swim to it. And, you know, lucky for the Jedis, they got like... Uh, utility belts and they just pull out these uh, rebreathers or whatever the hell and they once are. they get it out of their freaking pesky robes their <laughs> sleeves are getting in the way hardcore and the best is they don't care like you know George is like hey we're going to a city underwater and the Jedi are like you don't have to tell us twice and they put some you know oxygen on their nose whatever the thing is some device and they just jump in yeah. later you find out that it might not be such a great idea since the, this uh, piece of water is that the term mm-hmm is littered with monstrous creatures that consume ships. Well, I like the fact that Jar Jar just assumes they they have something with them to take them underwater. Because he jumps in and does a stupid flip into the water, knowing full he and well. He does cannonball. Yeah, these, he does cannonball. He doesn't know if humans are able to withstand the, the depth. Actually, he does like a kind of a beautiful dive into the water. Mr. Calling, maybe. So then we, um, we go downstairs and we get to meet Boss Nass, which is Brian Blessed, and he's a rotund... We also get to meet Captain Tarples. I don't want to. I don't want to discount him as well. But two great names, Captain Tarples is an incredible name. And you know they're mad because Jar Jar did something. They want to arrest him. They want to throw him in the slammer because he did something down there that caused a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets up basically what he'll be doing throughout the rest of the film is accidentally causing all sorts of havoc. Yeah. But Qui Gon's taken quite a liking to the gun. Is it Gundan? Gungan. Gungan. Pull, he pulls some Jedi mind trick moves on, on these these idiots, and it works. And they get they get a ride that's going to take them to go see Amidala in her little town. Yeah. And uh, so they get into the ship, and yeah, you talked about some giant beasts. Lucas yeah, they immediately get yeah. Lucas is you know you think about Empire Strikes Back. There's the cave and the and the giant worm, and there's stuff like that. That so there's a precedent uh-huh. for this. But I thought it was kind of lazy to introduce like so they're getting it. They're getting chased by this like a goober fish, whatever it's called. I don't remember. It's scary, and then all of a sudden the Sando Aqua Monster shows up and takes a giant bite of it and saves them. Giant creature, right? Saves mm-hmm. them. Cool. And it was Neeson say because Neeson the whole time this ship. <laughs> This big creature bites into the ship and they show Liam Neeson's face and he's like, um, we were flat. Like that's a, that's what he looks like. Like he looks like nothing's happening. No, he um, says there's always a bigger fish after they, after they get rescued by the other fish. Yeah. There's always a bigger fish, which is kind of a famous line from this movie. Yeah. And then um, later on they're 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 attacked by yet another underwater creature and are once again rescued by the same son of a bitch. Is it the same one? Well, I mean, yeah, because I read, of course I went and read up on them and they're super rare. The Sando Aqua Beast. So uh, saves, I was helping them. Saves her ass twice. I do like really? the designs of all those creatures though. I do. I, I, I'm a big fan of Doug Chang and, and, and the, and the team that actually realized the stuff. So as bad as this thing gets from time to time, John Williams and the design team and the sound team are still doing great work. And then, you know, we meet Amidala and get all that shit going. And then we're starting to really thrust the story into overhaul. I didn't notice this until this time. The Amidala is certainly in a lot of outfits in this. And her red outfit, there's a shot of her standing in front of like a big window. They show her full cape. And she got a bunch of little like orange, like plastic kind of like circles on the cape. Like heavy. I never noticed that detail before. I thought I'd zoom in on it and see what she thought of those. I mean, I like her outfits. She's great. 
Another thing that really irritates is the necessity of including R2-D2 and 3PO in the whole saga. Kind of shoehorn a little bit. I do love this scene where, where R2 is on a ship and droids are getting blasted off. Next He's zipping to, around to the outside of the ship, like fixing it. Right, right? but there's little, there's great. These other droids are getting blasted off into the cosmos while R2 is there. It's pretty cute. Um, he, he, it's his first heroic uh, move. We get to see him save everybody in the ship. Because they, they their shields are down and he's trying to repair them and he's out in that ship just kind of roller skating around. Yeah, and that's how they, yeah. they bring attention to him as a little hero. I didn't realize that it, that they had their names like a name tag on them because the guy reads. Oh, this is R two D two. Speaking of characters who get way too many powers in the prequels, R two D two. Don't even. We meet our man twenty seven minutes into the story. Darth Maul appears. He is speaking to the the hooded, mysterious Darks Darth Sidious. And he's looking crazy. He's looking like a devil. And this is the character that people were dressing up as, um, you know, before even, you know, seeing him on the big screen, they're dressing up as him t- to watch the movie in-, in this costume. Remember, people were thrilled about this character. They couldn't wait. This big bad. I guess it was, he get like about four minutes? Yes. Yeah, so, screen so time. Like Everybody's a little disappointed at that. But he- they later rescue this character. And then people and are like, things. after seeing the movie and, and, and all that, they're like, well, I guess it's okay to idolize a five foot two characters in the film for five seconds. Um, <laughs> Is Ray Park that short? I could be wrong. And that's when the kind of the queen decoy stuff starts to kick into overdrive. Obviously, we know. That's not what the IG, that's not what the IG video that he uploaded says about him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, there's another character we get to meet in this film who I'd forgotten about. Good old Rick Ollie. Who? The pilot. Amidala's pilot, who's got a lot of scenes in this movie yeah who's the actor like he he's a good he's been in a lot of stuff ralph brown ralph brown yeah one of the two it's either brown ralph or ralph brown <laughs> so they are forced to uh relocate they have to take a pit stop into onto tattooing which is a, a common thread here and that's where we really go haywire because they get to you know they got to get some parts for the ship they got to lay low they got to find the true hero of the piece the slave Anakin Skywalker. They put off us meeting him for a long time. We don't. How, how long? Not long enough, but you know, it's it's, it's a while. You know, he's working. He's working uh, for Watto down on Tatooine, just killing it, just killing it down there, just crushing. I love Watto. Of course, of course. I'm going to bet every on Saborba. That's against himself, right? Doesn't he have like yeah, multiple? Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, he probably. Ripping off some nationality, but no, I think Lucas there's only got uh, criticized for this too. But uh, you know, Watto is a is a kind of a character that people still talk about. They like Watto, even though Watto is a slave owner. He owns Shmi Skywalker and a little Anakin. Yeah, I can't hate him for owning Anakin though. I can't hate him. Right, I feel bad for him a little bit. Anakin's over here though. They meet him. How do they meet him? Like you you describe this. Like what is it? How they bump into repair work, right? Right, he works in Watto's repair shop, and they have to kind of make a deal with Watto. You've seen this fifteen times. What, what's Neeson's trying to buy something off? Yeah, Watto. he needs a part. He needs a part, and it's too expensive. And you know, yeah, there you go. So they start talking about pod races and all that. Now, there's a scene where I I never noticed this. First of all, Anakin, yeah, he's delivering a ridiculous amount of exposition to Padme, and there's this gigantic, ridiculous robot behind him that I never noticed. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's it takes up almost the entire background and it's so dumb and it made me very happy. Yeah. So Anakin, you know, he's, he's got to do a lot of talking, a lot of stiff dialogue. He's done no favors 
And I think a lot of what makes him such a difficult person to get behind is some of this stuff. It's where they, there's no emotion in his voice because he's a kid. And George Lucas is not an actor's director. And so this poor kid is floundering with this awful exposition. Yeah, because I don't, there were other actors in the running for this role, right? That probably, like, I think one of them that was mentioned was like the, I don't know how to say his name, Michael Angarano, who, I don't know how to say his last name, but he ended up being, he still works, he's still a pretty good actor. You know, Lucas must have just liked the way he looked. I can't, yeah. the, 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 test, the test couldn't have gone that There's well. There's a documentary, this feature length, and I watched some of it because it's on the legacy features. Uh, And there's this other kid who did perform circles around Jake Lloyd. And And so what do you think? I don't know. It had to be looks, right? It had to be the way he looked. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe he looked more like Sebastian Shaw naked and bald with veins in a repair chamber. I don't know. There needs, and one of the things I think is a problem is I think, and you said, you just said it, he's too young. Like they should have, they should have cast somebody that was like two years older for this role. He's just a little the guy. People that didn't agree. Rick McCallum, George Lucas, and Victor Salva. <laughs> yeah, well, this poor kid, you know. And so then he's, yeah, and he's poor Natalie Portman, too, you know, having to. There's a scene when she's, I, I, when they're on the way to the planet, I noticed there's a scene that kind of is a callback, obviously, to Leia and R2, where she's like in front of R2, like, you know, crouched over. And then Jar Jar interrupts it, which I thought was incredible. Portman has to kind of play it like she's romantically interested in in Anna because she's like I might when you get grow up kid a little bit I might knock on your door see what you're up to because you got a lot of stuff going for you you know yeah I mean it's a weird poor poor Portman you know why didn't they cast Portman younger why can she also be six in this you know that's a weird that's a weird ask (laughs) I'm just saying if they're gonna make you know it's so funny because i was watching uh, you know obviously we have two more of these to do i was watching attack of the clones and it takes place 10 years after this natalie portman looks the same and all of a sudden hayden christensen's there yeah Cubes, course, you know at full mast and she is uh she looks the same and he's a horn dog in her and it's like it's just very weird to watch this kid get so ready for it i do like the fact that we get to hear the future darth vader go yippee that's pretty great <laughs> Do you like any of his this his performance? And that's just no. But he does look like he's having fun sometimes. Well, he doesn't even look like he's having that much fun. Well, the honestly. stuff where he's in either in a pod or in a, in a spacecraft, yeah, you're able to you're able to sort of not pay as much attention to the performance. But even that, the the, the pod race stuff, he I mean, he, at least he looks adept at it. In the spacecraft stuff, it looks like he's fucking up to success. Like Jar Jar. Let's talk about Shmi a little bit, though. She, her, and, her and Liam, Liam do spend quite a bit of time together, and um, notice the hands. I'm saying, if you guys watch this movie, notice Liam Neeson's hands. Woo, baby, he is always touching Shmi. Always. <laughs> yeah. She in, she intimates to him that that uh, is that what they did. She there is no father. Mm. Anakin's just sprouted in her in her vulva like a like a sweet tart. You know, just and then and then Qui Gon said, "Let me show you how it should have gone." You know what I'm saying, Qui Gon? <laughs> no, but yeah, she uh, she uh, hints at an immaculate conception. I don't know where that comes from. I can't zoom in. <laughs> what that's supposed to be a reference to? And the, um, and the whole concept of midichlorians, which is carried somehow persevered all the way into now. But yeah, like this, these little tiny microscopic things, like body thetans or whatever, that fill your body, give you the force, man. And Jake Lloyd yeah, is it, loaded up. He has got more than Liam's ever seen. He's like, I got 
I got my, I'm half hard already from the midichlorian count and I'm whole hard because of Shmi. Like, I don't want to ever leave Tatooine. And you know, Qui-Gon a genius bets all bets at all on a kid who has no record ever of winning a pod race. <laughs> bets everything, you know, bets his ship on it. Yep. And, and Portman at least thinks he's inside. By the way, not you know, his ship. Is that the whole trick? The, yeah, no, the not, Jet, no, bet- this Jedi who is like one of the pristine purveyors of truth is betting somebody else's ship. He's just a passenger. Yeah, he's betting someone else's yeah, ship. He's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he does a lot of like fancy footwork here, getting Waddle all tangled around. But he really does lay his bets on, on Anakin, who, who says he just built a pod racer. And also, by the way, meet C-3PO, who I thought he built. I thought he created C-3PO, but he's just repairing him, right? He's just putting them together. No, him. I thought it's a. I thought he was he like someone he's just, he didn't build he C-3PO. Built C-3PO, did he? And he gave him that stupid voice somehow. I don't understand. I thought he was just kind of putting them back together. Now, we were talking about some of the names in Star Wars being good and some being bad. Do you remember the date in which this pod race happens? Boon to Eve. Bad. Bad, Lucas. I I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible Boonta Eve it sounds like a bounty hunter too it sounds like okay it sounds like what I wanted to do you. when I was watching Species 2 <laughs> alright well let's just say this Boonta Eve you don't like it as a calendar date but as a bounty hunter it's better yeah it's better right so yeah you're, this is amazing so yeah there's a scene where Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon negotiates with Watto uh, about the pod race the, this and that the future of the slaves, all this crazy shit. Now, Watto thinks he's got it wrapped up. Liam thinks he's got it wrapped up. But at the end of the sequence, there's a moment where Liam Neeson slaps hands with a flying blue-green gargoyle. <laughs> Let me just say this about this movie. Lucas really makes sure you're seeing Watto from top to bottom, wing <laughs> to wing tips, right? Yeah. And his pants are insane. Yeah. They are insane looking. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you get a good look at them? Oh, yeah, they're, they're adorable. Looks like something out of a Nintendo game. Like kind of Jester-like or something. Yeah, <laughs> just crazy pants. Um, but, you know, why does, he's got stubble. Do you know why he's flying? I found this out in my research. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Why is he flying? Because one of his legs is is disabled. Really? Yeah. So he's he's forced to fly because he can't walk anymore. And he just happened to have wings? So he had an owl? Yeah. So he's the real Skywalker in this, but yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, there's this whole prep thing for the race, blah, blah, blah. And there's a moment where Qui-Gon says, I didn't actually come here to free slaves, which I thought was a very anti-Jedi thing to say. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I I think it's sort of like, if you see slaves, it's sort of your responsibility to free them. Yeah, I don't like, that's the scene I really don't like in this is when Anakin reveals that him, both him and Shmi are owned by Watto. And and then Qui-Gon says, and? Yeah, your point. You know, one of the powers that that Qui Gon doesn't develop in this, and I thought maybe at, towards the end he, he would, is he has trouble looking at the CGI creatures. His sight lines are always off. Well, Ewan's no bargain either with that. Or Portman. At one point, there's one, or Portman hands. I think towards the end, hands Boss Nast. Maybe she, does she hand him the medal? This the, the glowing sphere, and she just looks at the glowing sphere like as she hands it to him. She's like, let's just. Let's just not even, you know, <laughs> I am going to try. Then we get, I, I think there was probably no glowing sphere there either, by the way. It's not She's true. pantomiming, handing a ball to a fake creeper. Perfect. She's good at it. Sebulba in this. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you love Sebulba. I like the design of Sebulba to some extent. I don't like the poodoo that he keeps saying poodoo. 
which is don't mind it. Okay, how's he introduced? Well, I think the first time you meet him, he's at the he's uh, Jar Jar accidentally he's trying to eat some food, yeah. and and Sebulba is sitting there at the restaurant. Maybe no, I think they introduced Sebulba before that. No, I think he's I think Jar Jar accidentally he tries to eat some food, gets caught by one of the shop owners, spits it out. He can't he can't loosen it from his jaw or something insane. And then he flings it where Sebulba's sitting. It hits it hits by him or hits him. And he goes and, and that threatens Jar. Oh, threatens Mister Jar Jar. Yeah, he goes nuts because he's hot tempered. Zoom in. But the scene does end with him eating that thing, so he wins. So he ends up accepting the nutrients. Oh, he does. Um, we also meet Kitster shortly thereafter. And Kit- yeah, I know. Yeah. And Kitster's the young, oh, a young boy friend of Anakin's, along with Baby Greedo, which was necessary. By the way, kudos to Greedo's personal trainer for the good work he put in sometime between this film and A New Hope. Wow, he started out so young and innocent, didn't he? Just like Anakin. They're just having some fun times at Tatooine. The sandy plains, the sandy deserts. I don't, yeah, of Tatooine. They're just, they're just having a blast. Yeah, he went through the Jonah Hill treatment somewhere between... That kidster, so I did some research on him because I just thought he was just, I didn't know he had a name. I just thought he was this annoying kid that was friends with Anakin. Uh, they say his name in the movie, but it's hard to well, but get a read on Kids, it. Kidster has a dickload of story. He was extensively used in the peripheral literature of Star was Wars. He? he is still around in stories. Like He grew up to be a man, and he's involved in a, a hell of a lot of Star Wars content. Is he good or bad? I, I mean, I, don't, I didn't zoom in. Is he in, is he in, ta- is he in the... Clone Wars? I don't know. He's in a lot of the books and he and he's involved in stuff, which blows my mind. 56 minutes in, we get a fart joke, which is nice. We need that. It, you know, my memory had me thinking that Jar Jar farted, but he really, it's a, it's a fart reaction shot by him. Yeah, he does step in He steps in shit problem. at 1.2. We get that, that yeah. gift. Mm-hmm. And then we're... Did Lucas... Okay. Did Lucas edit that? Did, did, I, did I misremember that? Did, did Jar Jar originally fart? I don't think, no, I don't think Jar Jar farts. Let's get out. No, I think it's I think it's him reacting. Come on. So then it's Bone to Eve, and the pod race begins. The big thing is here: pod race is dangerous, right? You know, and Anakin's failed before. You know, someone says, "I'm sure Qui Gon," because you know, Port, you know, Amidala's worried. She's kind of bonded with this kid, and I don't know who says. And, and Shmi's obviously worried. I don't know who says it, but they're like, I'm sure Qui-Gon doesn't want to put your son in danger. And Liam's like, not true. I don't care. You know, like he, obviously that thing's dangerous. People die during this pod race. And Neeson's fine with it. He's good. There's sand people shooting at these people. You know, the, these I love folks. it. Yeah. It's one of my, it's, one of, it's one of the best parts of the whole, the whole movie. And it works. And he he and, keeps uh, forgetting Anakin's name. He keeps calling it meal ticket. There's a character that I I don't think I ever really noticed in earlier viewings of this film. Did you? Anakin. <laughs> Jabba's wife. <laughs> I didn't notice. I saw Jabba and I saw um, uh, Bib Fortuna. Oh, they did an awful job with Bib Fortuna. I mean, yeah. but uh, no, there's a, a female a female hut right next to and? Jabba in the in the shadows. That's got to be his wife. And she? What is she? How does it? They differentiate. She smaller. She's uglier. Poof. You know, and I love it. So there's this pod race. You know, you get She's the Yaddle to Jabba's Yoda. Yeah, I wish Yaddle's solid, but uh, yeah. So you meet all these other pod racers. You know, Odie Mandel and Ben Quadraneros and all those other guys. Greg Proops. Did you not? He, wait, I did some research on Jabba's wife. That's not his wife. That's his mom. Also, if you didn't know that, that also Jabba was also uh, much like the Empty Man, conceived without immaculate conception. <laughs> the <laughs> immaculately conceived. You didn't know this? No. Her name is Gardula the Hutt, and that is so his wife. Gardula? Yeah. Kind of a pretty name. She turned out to be a super slut. 
Uh, I like it. So there's this pod racer, and it's actually a pretty well-made scene. Great sound effects, great sound design, all that. And then, of course, you know, to keep that excitement going, our heroes watch the uh, watch the race on iPads. <laughs> this is disconcerting. They give. I'm looking at images of Gardula the Hut. They give her. They kind of give her breasts. Yeah. Give her some heavy hangers, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you want? I mean, yeah. Uh, how do you not? How do you not get I mean, what? I see her back there. I see her from the shot. She is on the left there. Yeah. And her man is gesticulating. He's excited about the race. He loves Sebulba. He's a big Sebulba guy. Says here, I'm reading on Wikipedia, gambling problem. She watched the victory in Boone to Eve. Sweet set of tits is what it says on here. As I I started to type in Gardula, it auto-filled bra size, which I thought was, it's not what I was going to ask, but it's nice to know. What is that that Neeson's walking around in? Is it poncho? What are you talking about? Poncho? What are you talking about? It's this robes. Yeah, Neeson, quite gone. It's robes, but it's like, it looks like a poncho a little bit. Oh, there's so many shots of him walking slowly in that thing in this. <laughs> Liam Neeson is, uh, is, is awesome. The more the merrier, right? They want to show off that badass. I don't, I don't want to spoil this, but Anakin wins the pod race. Yeah, and Saboba cheats. Like he's he's up there uh, messing with uh, Anakin's pod, you know, pre-race. He's doing dirty tricks during the race, mm-hmm. but Anakin still man. Even Anakin at the beginning stalls out. Like everybody takes off except two racers. Anakin's one of them, and he can't get his pod started. Liam slams down, you know, his ticket. He goes, "God damn it! <laughs> the fuck! I took a chance on this piece of shit." Yeah. He's got his ticket and he's stomping on it under his, under his feet. Shmi's like in, crouched in the corner. He wins. And then there's a scene where there's an intimate scene where Watto and, and Qui-Gon kind of discuss, you know, and, and Watto's trying to get out of it because he feels like he was swindled. But Qui-Gon wins. Uh, he, he gets the better of the toy Darian. And um, he, can't, he can't Jedi mind trick on Watto either. Right. And then Obi-Wan's got one of the great lines. He goes, why do I get the sense you've picked up another pathetic life form once they've gotten Anakin in the fold, which is he doesn't realize how true he is. Yeah, he's referring to he's referring to Jar Jar and Anakin. No, he's, he's referring to Anakin this time. I know. But then he but the, the previous pathetic life form right. is Jar Jar. Yeah. But then there's a shot that blew my mind. First okay. of its kind and only of its kind, I believe, in Star Wars. There's a scene where Anakin is talking to 3PO. And there's a very short shot where we are watching the scene from 3PO's POV. And I was astounded. There's no POV shots in Star Wars, but there is a scene where we are looking through 3PO's eyes at Anakin as he talks to us. And it is Is that when Anakin puts weird. his eye it, No. Is that when Anakin puts his eye on? No, it's just more exposition of him. He's basically saying goodbye. Like, sorry, I didn't get to finish building you or whatever. But, and he's moving around and 3PO's eyes... It's, it's we're 3PO. Like we are, he's the POV character in this movie. I've never seen, there are no other POV shots in Star Wars, period. No. Okay. And, and okay. they give one to 3PO, which is just fucked up. So, and then of course, Liam has to break the news to Pernilla that we're taking your son because we freed the shit out of him, but you're still a slave. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And, and, and Neeson breaks the news. He says, Wada wouldn't go for it. So I'm out. Yeah. And then, and then Shmi, to her credit, goes, well, at least now I get to make a baby the wet way. Yeah, Shmi doesn't seem too heartbroken that Anakin's leaving. 
it's not the end of the world for her. She's she's she says where she's where she's supposed to be. And Anakin's excited to go off to be a Jedi. He's bought into Qui Gon's estimation that this guy that, he, that he's got some powers. He got some midis floating around in there. There's a future that you know out in space for him. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is and, early on, we Anakin starts to show his uh, the kinks in the armor. He's he sucks, and, and he almost gets his ass kicked by air conditioning in this movie. Yeah, yeah, because he's on the he's shivering on the on the on the plane. Right after they leave, it's cold. It's yeah, cold. he can't handle. It's he cold. can't handle it. It's like, yeah, you have no. It's cold up there. You know, and, and then Obi Wan um, says he'll be Amidala. real warm in two films. Amadala, and at that point, she's playing her hand, her handmaiden, her, her what do they call emissary, handmaiden. whatever. She throws him a blankie. Right? She's like, no problem. I got you. I got you, kid. You know, yeah. cover yourself, you piece of shit. Much less 
Oh, we missed the whole. You, you skipped. You skipped a lot of the pod race, which is fine. But you also skipped that Darth Maul was is on Tatooine. He, th- he sends out these these feeler droids during the pod race, which come back to him and say they're here or something. And so then Qui Gon and Darth Maul have a brief fight before Qui Gon pieces out. He skedaddles out of that fight. Like a little chicken shit. Yeah. Well, there, there's a longer version of that scene uh, as a special feature because there's a scene where, like it's a little bit the original cut or the original attempt has him them fighting on the ramp a little bit too. But yeah, you're right. Darth Maul does make a quick appearance, and there's this awful thing where these the villains have machines do their dirty work for them a lot. It happens in Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. too. It's very strange. So Anakin says, "Fly low," because they're in the ship. Fly low, and then so um, Anakin or, or Obi Wan. So I'm sorry, Obi Wan says, "Fly low." So Qui-Gon can force jump onto the ramp of the ship. Yeah. And he does. He's got springs in his in his boots. Looks He's dumb. definitely got a spring in his step after that handy from Shmi. <laughs> I do hate the technology in this film, how, how much more advanced it is than in the original trilogy. That really, it never gets solved. Everything is really? so what clean, pristine, and, and fancy. And then everything's all rustic and beat up in the, in the, in the original trilogy. It's, it's just... R2's introduced as, as, a, as like a, looks like Pigpen from Peanuts. That's how dirty he is. Okay. Three PO doesn't have a shell on him, but you think everything else looks pretty clean? I mean, the technology itself, like it just, it's it's so much more elaborate. Like the ship, like the mirror, she's got a mirror ship yeah. and there's just the crazy screens and stuff like that. Lucas could not, just didn't have the common sense to make it look old and beat up and analog. I don't know what his problem is, but he did have Yaddle. I think he just didn't so. care. I think he wanted to show off like the the technology. That was his big mission statement, kind of. He loved that was that was what he was obsessed with, right? Is is all the stuff he could do with computers. Now, if you notice this, just like our main man, just like our main man. Yeah, it's weird because when Terry when Maul fights Terry with uh, when Maul fights with Liam in the desert, he has a green lightsaber. And then when they fight yeah. later on, he's got a red lightsaber. I guess he's got a backup. I thought Liam. I thought Liam has a. Green he does. Lightsaber. There's two green lightsabers kicking each other's ass in that scene. Okay. And then we go back to Coruscant. He's got options. He's got options. We go to Coruscant, which is the city that we were all excited to see in the prequels, which turn out to be puss because it's just whatever. They go to the Jedi Council. We get to see Yaddle, which is just no close-ups on her though, and she's not in any of the other films, which makes me sad, but. You see Sam Jackson as Mace Windu in there. Yeah, you got uh, Kaiden Mundi or whatever his name is. There's all those asses. Is that the long neck? No, that's something else. Who's the, who's the guy with the big big head? Big head guy. Tall head guy. The guy that has like a big I don't know. Head. I think he's, he looks like one of the Bone creatures head. from the second film. But anyhow, but Kaiden Mundi gets actual dialogue in this, which is so strange. They try the sales pitch on the Jedi Council about getting Anakin trained. And Qui-Gon makes another in a, in a long series of bad decisions there. You know, they also selfishly are wanting to uh, get their get their hands up in Amidala's business. They become the uh, sort of the ground crew to go help deal with the Naboo situation. Of course, McDarmond is completely uh, lying his ass off. He, he, he says something that's probably the biggest stretch in this film is he promises Padme that he's going to put an end to corruption. Sounds good. Impossible. She doesn't buy it, though. She gets suckered. She's nervous. She's nervous because her people are dying. She's nervous. You know, she doesn't necessarily see through this guy, but she's she is kind of a little bit skeptical. I do love that um, they spent a lot of time with that character and her beliefs and trying to make her a strong, strong character. And then they, she dies during childbirth. Oops. We fucked up. Jedi Council. Is this when they make is, is Qui-Gon make his pitch for Anakin and they reject it during this part? 
Yeah. And this is the and now so CGI out, Yoda because they changed, they got rid of the puppet because they hated it so much. I wish they wouldn't have got I like the puppet. So Qui-Gon, although this doesn't look bad. No, but the fun. puppet they had was awful. So Qui-Gon, you find out from Obi-Wan that if he would just play by the rules, he could be sitting his beautiful ass on the Jedi yep. Council. He could be sitting there. It just it's just not a possibility, right? So because he he just he's just kind of a rebellious, do it his own way Jedi. And you know, he also pitches uh, that uh, Obi-Wan's ready to ascend from his apprenticeship and he could, you know, Qui-Gon can take young Anakin as his second apprentice. Yoda's not feeling it. Like, he's like, what the, you know, no, this isn't good. Like, this seems weird. Like, this, something feels funny here. I, 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 smell, I smell something fishy. I don't like it. And he rejects the, that idea. The future's clouded. And he's right. Yoda's right. His instincts are on point. By the way, one of the other bad words, bad new terms that Lucas came up with, Padawan. And Padme in the same movie, huh? He just couldn't help himself. And then, and there's this also bad habit of Liam, like, referring, like, he constantly says, I agree with you, my Padawan apprentice, or my Padawan learner. You're right, my Padawan learner. Hey, good work, my young Padawan learner. Like, they keep ending it with these things. It just makes it so stilted. Sure. Gotta get it in there. It'd be um, so much better yeah, if he's I, like, you know, you're right, dog. Yoda never really rubbed it in, though, did he? I mean, about I don't really show him in his spare never, time too often. Did you? Did he ever? You think he ever did? I told you so. No, because he says I was right about yeah, that. He, one. he actually owns. He's like, I thought I, you know, he, he admits his failures a lot. He owns up to it, doesn't yeah. he? My bad. I remember that. My bad. I always said that. Yeah. I said bad. My remember. <laughs> Fucked up. So I have. Good. So the, um, we, we're setting up for a gigantic battle on the on the grounds of Naboo, and this is obviously there's 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 this recurring theme in the series about a technical issue being the, the downfall of the army, the villainous army, and in this case, there's a giant droid control ship hovering above this, the, mm-hmm. the the planet, while these billions of robots are descending upon the cities, mm-hmm. all that crap, and so you have. In traditional Star Wars fashion, Jar Jar can, and uh, and Liam and them convince the Gungans to be a team with them. So they're the ground forces. And then you've got Amidala and her group trying to skirt the castle to overthrow the Nemaudians that have taken over the capital. And then, of course, Anakin... Equipped with grappling hooks, Of course. The and then Anakin nice. has secreted himself into a starfighter and is single-handedly solving all that shit up there with R2 and Toe. Yeah, well, he's in the... Liam says hi, Lee. Qui-Gon's like, hide, young Anakin Skywalker. You're, you're useless to us right now. Hide your weak ass that can't help out during this part. Anakin goes, okay, I'll hide in this, this ship and press some crazy buttons. Anakin ends up destroying that control ship you're talking about, killing about uh, probably about 500,000 people. I don't know. That thing was huge. <laughs> and that's like day two. Like he, he was on Tatooine. No, day two is, is his co-pilot in that. You know, he was tickling uh, the insides of one C-3PO. Next day, responsible for 500,000 deaths. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, you got to feel bad for the people on that on that control ship. Got killed by like a six-year-old that's just fucking around. Yeah. You know that you there know, was there was like an imperial, like, well, a, I guess like a Nomadian private who was in the bathroom dealing with like an awful case of, of like the squirts. And he's just finished. He's like, thank God. And then the, machi- the whole thing blows up and a six-year-old kills him. It's not even finished wiping ass. Anakin gets the the good thing about this is Anakin gets to talk to himself in this the whole time. He gets to self. He's, he's talking to R two maybe, but because R two is along, but he's talking to himself like, oh man, look at this. Oh, oh gosh, 
It, oh no! Yeah. This is more fun than skirting it out. And then, of course, he has this thing, this recurring thing, where he just takes a row of switches and moves it around a lot, like he did on his pod racer, and it's supposed to do something. And of course, he accidentally kills, you know, the enemy because he's just fucking around. He sucks. And then he becomes a hero to the, I mean, quote unquote. Who? I guess it's the, not the rebellion, but who was that at that point? Much of these fighters from Naboo, I guess, trying to take down this control ship. Who, whatever the hell. And then all happening. the robots go to sleep, and, which is so sad. And somehow they know once the ship starts blowing up, they they go, "We didn't do that." Like, how would they know? But they said, "We didn't." Oh, we sure as hell didn't do that. Actually, you know, you know I, we failed to mention what Anakin and Obi Wan are doing. They have encountered. One Darth Maul. Oh, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. What did I say? Anakin oh, yeah. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan have encountered Darth Maul for the climactic laser fight, laser sword the big fight. big scene. The big one. And the, big, the big scene everybody and the, remembers. And the very best thing about The Phantom Menace by far is Duel of the Fates, that musical piece that Williams wrote for this duel. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, which they almost called Rise of Skywalker. They almost called it Duel of the Fates, which is a, would have been a great title. Yeah. Oops. Anyway, go ahead. No, it's a good, it's a, it's a fun fight scene. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I like, I do always like, uh, they battle it out two on one Jedi, Jedi versus uh, Sith. You know, you said you don't like Darth Maul's fighting style. I just found it was, it was too dancey. It was too choreographed yeah. dancey. There's a scene where and he does these ridiculous, like little mid flip, like side flip type of things where he's like moving around. There's this one scene where it just looks like he is performing in Broadway rather than trying to, you know, kill the enemy and, 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 and stay alive. It, look, yeah, it looks, he's all it about, looks good, but it's a little distracting maybe. And that's kind of the point. I don't know, but he's, he's flip flopping around and then they get, so they, they kind of get, as everybody knows, because everybody's seen this movie, uh, encounter some force fields that kind of their time elapsed force fields, right? And so it separates Darth because Maul. Because why? Why are they there? What is it? It's because did Darth Maul like throw some trash to get set them off? What? No, but why are they there? Why would such a thing exist? You're just asking the universe. I'm asking you. Know. It's like, are they blast doors to, like, to hull integrity? I don't understand why. I, Exactly what they are. Paul and Tiger. Okay. So, you know, at one point they're all separated, and and Ewan, who had been thrown back, is very separated from the two. But there's a force field between, um, obviously, Darth Maul and Qui Gon. And I like that Darth Maul paces, waiting for his chance to attack his prey. Which is cool. Liam, yeah, Liam meditates. It is cool. I like that. That's that's pretty cool. I wish there would have been Qui Gon talking there. Me too. Maybe there was. But Qui Gon lives. Like, he doesn't die in this part. He has a great battle and he lives. He gets knocked on the chin and then stabbed in the gut. Quite an inelegant death for such a meditative Jedi. Poor guy. Gets stabbed in the gut. He goes, oh shit! What the f- <laughs> God damn, are you serious? No! God, I just ate that. He goes, Obi-Wan, I'm bleeding out! Help! Yeah, you stabbed lunch. And, uh, and then Anakin sees it and he screams, of course. he didn't, or, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan sees it and he screams. He doesn't like doesn't like what he sees through the force field. And then Darth Maul starts pacing again because now it's his time to attack Obi-Wan. Yeah. And he does. He does a pretty good job at mm-hmm. first. Knocks him into a shaft. Well, and Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber. Poor guy. And then, o- then Obi-Wan dies. <laughs> what happens? Yeah. So, yeah, he, he he cuts Mr. Maul in half. He does. He cuts him in half. He does a thing where he force flips over his face and then just does a rope-a-dope kind of weird like little trickery and then slices him in half and there's a blood spray i don't remember that which i never noticed before yeah a little blood spray darth maul looks surprised yeah and then he does it's then he falls he falls a lot and it's he great because he goes half. over to qui-gon's still alive body and qui-gon says it's too late 
No shit, Liam. It's too late. No, he, well, Ewan should have said it. it's too late for you, but Anakin? I won. It's not too late for me. Is he to... talking about Anakin and his last breath? Is he talking about no, Anakin? He's talking about saving his own life. Oh, and then uh, I thought he this said is around, Anakin. No, this is around the same time that um, Anakin's fucked up into success, and this is when Padme and her crew have surprised. And Jar Jar fucked up into success. He, he forgot. No, that. he fucks up. He's all over the No, it says they, right they here on my page, Jar Jar failing to success on my page right there. Yeah, he, they promote him to general, right? General Jar Jar. And then he is slipping around the battlefield doing all sorts of crazy shit. It's working. It's taking out everything. He's he's doing incredible work on the battlefield. And he's doing it by by accident. He's he's like uh, he's like it's awful. pulling coward moves. Yeah, it's working. awful. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they get the jump on the Nomadians who are pessimists already. And Panaka gets his big line. And Hugh Corshi yeah. must have delivered this line saying, "Just wait till you see what I do in the next film. Once I get my salary negotiation." victory that i know i'm gonna have well so i read that Corshi like didn't come back because they wouldn't let him read the script or something they wouldn't let him let him read the whole script i heard he threw his weight around but he goes to the nomadians i guess you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye he should have just take taken his medicine then they burn liam neeson to a crisp <laughs> they do and anakin worried about the right thing at his funeral everybody's sad to see this burning jedi anakin Pulls on Obi-Wan's sleeve and says, what will happen to me now? By the way, don't forget about this little guy. What's going on with me? What's going to happen? You know, as Liam Neeson's flesh is sizzling, he's saying. I love this, too. They talk about um, that there's always always a master and an apprentice in the dark side. And literally, the guy had been cut in half minutes earlier. So I think there might be an acclimation period. So maybe there's just one right now. It's not like it's not like there's you know, it's not like they spawn a new mall or whatever is bad, bad logic. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan certainly took on Anakin pretty quick as his apprentice though. He never does. No, he does. Yoda begrudgingly gives in. But he never gets yeah, a chance because like, oh, he has to go on this mission with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan still got the braid in his hair. That's the trick. Once he, he, he has to cut that braid off or he's, he, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought that they were, he, he, Yoda agreed to training Anakin. He does agree. But to the, the first he agrees to get slaughtered up. and burnt alive. Who are you talking about? I mean, oh, Qui-Gon. Oh, you're talking about Obi-Wan. I'm not talking about Qui-Gon. Yeah, Obi-Wan, yeah. Obi- Obi-Wan at the end, he, he kind of pulls uh, Yoda, Yoda's, he bends his arm a little bit or whatever. And he said, hey, can I train this kid? And Yoda's like, whatever. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. You know, go ahead and do no, that. You're right, yeah. And then Yoda, like, starts to peel out a couple of 20s for Yaddle to give him the old behind the scenes. <laughs> And then, so then there's like an ominous, this ominous funeral scene would have been perfect to end on because it's just like, they, 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 they focus on McDermott, like his, his face, like there's always an apprentice and always a master that they show, they're showing the bad guy. And then they cut to an incredible uh, party with uh, a bunch of Gungans dancing and doing like a parade march, the little medal ceremony with this weird glowing sphere. No one wants to see this. Nobody wants to see it. He's just remembering at the end of the first Star Wars that they had a medal ceremony and people seem to be thrilled. And they're like, don't worry, guys. Doesn't everyone want to see Boss Naz handed a a ball? And that's how the movie ends. And spit all over everybody. That's his his finishing move. And then written and directed by George Lucas comes up in that fanfare. And then you hear a bunch of people shuffling back to their car like 9-11 just happened. (laughs) Anyway, we didn't really talk about the um, themes. Padme's decoys. 
I like how we talked about the movie. Like no one, like we're like, let's go through it step by step. You know, one remembers this scene, right? You know, we didn't talk about her decoys. That was like a big revelation whenever Padme, the decoy said, I'm actually Padme. And everybody's like shocked. Actually, <laughs> like, the, it's not the timing movie. that she does it makes no sense, by the way. She reveals herself to Boz Naz, right? Yeah. And she's begging yeah. for, for them to team up. And they're like everybody in the Jar Jar and like even Qui Gon is like got the like what the even the like, de- even the decoy is like oh my god. <laughs> and one of the decoys is is Karen Ivy, yeah. right? Correct. And in the next movie, yeah. one of the decoys is uh, Rose Byrne. Yeah, that's true. She still got decoys yeah. going, huh? And then Tim Thomerson. Like Tim Thomerson's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I found out a piece of trivia today. I was looking at that Hugh Corshi fact that you, I was trying, I was trying to track down research what you told me. And I landed on a page that said, um, you know, people that you, that you didn't know, like turn that you didn't know, turn down star Wars roles. Right. Mm-hmm. I read that uh, you might know this and maybe we talked about it, but I forgot that Stallone turned down Han Solo. <laughs> Had you- I don't, Did you I don't remember that. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's true. Can you imagine, though? He took himself out because he said he had a bad audition. Then he decided to not wait for the rejection. He took himself out of the running. Stallone auditioned for Han Solo. I can kind of imagine it. You mean you've yeah. never heard of the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> so watching it again, what was your any, anything... Any remarks? I was kind of mad that we're watching a little bit. I wasn't prepared to watch it this weekend in a way. But I don't know. There's something about just watching Darth Maul get cut in half that I always enjoy seeing. Well, and they've done such a good job of bringing that character back, both in the cartoons and then in Solo. It's like I have – there's a part of me that really hopes – and I I heard a rumor that they are going to revisit that universe on Disney+, Plus, which I really hope is true. Solo? Yeah. Yeah, aren't they doing a Lando series? At least they had mentioned that they probably were going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I hope they really do. The makeup sex with the the prequels has been great. Like, they've they've really done a lot of work in the Clone Wars and the Rebels series to repair a lot of the stuff. Even that little video game that I play on my phone, uh, some of the best characters are ones that came out of this and from the the, the subsequent cartoons. So I like the mythology that they built, and and I'm hoping that they could add enough armatures to this to where this 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 material actually has a little bit more value. But I don't hate it. I don't I hate it. I know it's dumb. It's awful. It's definitely the worst three Star Wars movies ever made. You just got to find the well, little the- moments. I follow this guy named Brian Young on Twitter, who's a big Star Wars guy, and he's like a Star Wars writer and. He's a he. This is like his favorite Star Wars film or something. I think it's close. He always defends it, so it makes me always because I like him, I like reading his stuff. It always makes me kind of try to like this movie a little bit more than I do. Just like hope that it'll click with me this time. You know, a lot of the stuff is like you're saying. You know, he likes the mythology of it. He likes what it's spun out into as well. It's just hard for me to get past certain things that, just from a filmmaking perspective, seem insane to me. You know, it just, it, you know, Lucas must have just not listened to reason sometimes. Or maybe everybody's just afraid to, to tell well, him. Terrence Stamp and, and, and Natalie Portman and Liam Neeson and Ian McDiarmid, all these really good actors, just all the tools are taken away. Neeson's good, though. I mean, Neeson actually seems his character. He doesn't seem to have trouble with his lines. He's like, I think you pointed out that he kind of comes off like he does some good, okay work here. Like he seems like he's, he's it's the best performance in the trilogy for sure. All right, look. You're in a weird space lounge, and uh, you hear a buzzing sound. And by golly, they have a, a, there's an articulated droid that is a tattoo master, and his head spins on its axis, and he rotates towards you and says, "What will it be, sir?" That's such a good question. The Phantom Menace tattoo, huh? So I've got Seal Bibble. 
on my chest and I've got a position. So he's holding my nipple. Like it's that ball. Like I've had him tattoo around my nip and it, he's holding it as if it were that magic glow ball. Bibble holding nipple. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's in Turkey, right? My look, you're looking at me. You're like, man, he's not. Justin looks the same. Like he's still got stubble, but it looks magnificent. Looks a lot darker, more manly. I like the way this guy's looking lately. That's what you're thinking to yourself. My friend is upgraded, mm-hmm. and then you realize that I got I don't have stubble. I ta- I got I got, I, want, I I tattooed Watto's stubble onto me, <laughs> his neck stubble. <laughs> And I'm walking around, I'm strutting around like the cock of the walk. I'm proud. Right. I also tattooed his pants to me to, on the back of my legs. Those little, I don't know what those things are called. I'm giving myself the Watto, basically. He's got a lot of dialogue in this movie. It makes me happy. Gets more than Darth Maul. Yeah, well, so did you. Film's over. Credits have rolled. The Lucasfilm logo is yeah. about to reappear for the final time. But by golly, there's a stinger. A little extra scene at the end. Oh, kind of yeah. sends you back to your car little less haughty you know everybody knows that darth maul doesn't die right like he we didn't know this then but and you know later on he he, he lived he, he that blow it wasn't a death blow and so my the camera travels down the shaft and you see this half man hanging his guts hanging like garters out of him right mm-hmm. camera not concerned with that part keeps going down to his legs at the bottom of this pit hold 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 and then you see his foot twitch that part also survived <laughs> So both parts survive because isn't the lore is that Gar- Darth Maul force held his guts in? That's how I, he. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't lived. zoom in that hard. I think. Yeah, I think he force holds his bowels in there. That's how he survives this, and then gives himself later mechanical legs. Right, but everybody forgets about those legs. Right. What happened to those guys? True. Maybe they're still kicking. Yeah. I'm sorry, they are still kicking, and they want revenge. Uh, well, I don't could use them, obviously. But see, I actually have two credits. I have a mid credit and a post credit stinger. You have a midichlorian credit as well. So, right after the celebration, all the human characters we 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 we, we dissolve back in. We all the human characters are covered in Boss Nass's splooge, and they're furious. They're like, God, this guy shook his. He's like spit it on everyone, and they're it's just them daintily yeah. wiping off all of his juice off of him. Yeah, because he does spit when he talks. Is that what ton, you're saying? A ton. Be gone with him. Yeah. So they they wipe that shit out. And then the credits go, and then at the end, it's back on Tatooine. We see the hut, not Jabba, the hut where Miss Skywalker lives. And it's dark, and there's a lo- one lone light co- coming out of one of the windows, and you hear her turn on her rabbit. <laughs> they have green uh, sandblast. <laughs> They have uh, greenlit a sequel to The Phantom Menace, and you're responsible for the plot. How do you take that cash money and turn it into something special? That's a good question. They did a sequel? They did. All right, so Jar Jar decides he likes the taste of blood. Like, he loved battle. (laughs) He loved to slip around and cause this havoc. He realizes that's his calling, right? He he enters another battle, and things go... he, He finds that he can't... He freezes up. Like, he's no longer clumsy because he's thinking about it too much. He's no longer, like, hiding under stuff... And then it, it causes it to like overturn and, and, and fall onto people. He, he lost his mojo, Nick. And so he, he goes to get trained in the art of drunk fighting. Of course. And so he's the clumsiest drunk fighter around. That's, that's, that's him. What do you think? Is this, is this making Yo, sense? Yes, I'm making a ton of sense. And he exclusively only drinks blood. 
That's just like also something he does now. <laughs> so it really is the taste of blood for sure. He loves it. And he has that voice I was talking about where he's got that kind of like the Barry White. Who else? Is, or Stallone even can do yeah. it. Like some deep guttural like Misa. And then you know? he puts on a and, white face and he's Moff Jar Jarred in Empire Strikes Back. Perfect. So he become he does become awful, right? He does become awful. Darth Maul's legs become good. <laughs> And that's the climatic battle, right? The, it's jar, the drunken fighting Jar Jar versus two legs with a, a hat on him. <laughs> Better than Attack of the Clones. Duel to the death. Duel to the death. Yeah. Palpatine's like really scampering about. He's stressing out. He's like, shit, my apprentice is destroyed. I'm fucked. And there's a, you know, there needs to be a, a balance in the force. So he's like, you know, really scampering around. And so he goes on to what's the, I guess, the Jedi equivalent of Tinder or whatever. He has to figure out who his apprentice is post haste. And he's swiping around looking. He's like, I need to find out who is going to be this, my companion leading me through this galaxy, uh, my companion, my fighting, my learner, my, my apprentice. Sure. He stumbles across a 90 year old man, looks like Christopher Lee and says, done. Got it. Perfect. This guy's frail as nuts. Let me get him. There's a shot of Palpatine going to an old folks' home. I'm looking for an, a, a, a Padawan, an apprentice. And then Christopher Lee is like, hello! And then he hands him a curved hilt and says, let's go kick some ass in the galaxy. And the rest is, rest is fistery. How old was Christopher Lee when they made this? He was in his 80s, I think. His family didn't get to see him for a period of time, and then he died. You've been given the finance to have your own business associated with the Phantom Menace. How do you spend that hard-earned coin? Mine's easy. You know, you're a parent. Uh, I'm a parent and we're very protective of our children. We don't want anything bad to happen to them. You know, whenever your phone goes off with an Amber alert, you shit your pants. It's very scary. So my business is I have created decoy children. We deploy them at the playground. We deploy them in the schools. We deploy them at the mall. We spray them with pheromones, make them really attractive towards villains and 'er ne'er-do-wells. And by golly, it works. They get snatched. They get taken. Your kid's fine. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> unexpected. I hope I didn't take your idea. Now, mine is based on something that happened behind the scenes. You mentioned Hugh Corshi, and you know, is is. You know, his battle, whatever happened that he didn't get to appear in any of these other movies. You know, rumor has it, or the stories go, that he was actually a delight on set and just lovely to work with. In fact, when someone would meet him for the first time and go in for a handshake, he'd say, don't do it. He goes, drop the H, drop the H. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, hug Corshi. Drop the H. Hug Corshi. And so he'd go in for the hug, mm-hmm. you know. And some people are like dropping the H the wrong way. And they go, hug Corshi? No, no, hug Corshi. Mm-hmm. So I'd make a Corshi plushie <laughs> that the fans that know that story can buy and hug on their right. own. And it wouldn't be based on, I mean, I guess it could have his, his famous costume from this movie that no one can forget. It's really representing him. The Corshi plushie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Drop the H. Let's agree. Let's just agree that it's funny. Okay. Let's just agree. <laughs> Can we make a promise to each other that we both find it funny? Yes. Uh, you've been inserted into the uh, running time of The Phantom Menace. You're a character in this mud. What shape does your performance take? This is a lot to ask. Ask a lot of questions here. Do you have any idea about a character? I, I live on Tatooine. My name is Lick Vector. And uh, 
I uh, have a Tuscan Raider fetish. <laughs> and uh, if you freeze frame the film in various scenes in the pod rest, you can see me smashing it in the foothills. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's it is lacking. There's a lot of people at, at that are in um, town to watch the pod race. There's a big crowd. They don't really focus on too many. But one thing this movie's kind of lacking, I believe, is bounty hunters. Right? Did we, we see, see Aura, that many Aura sing a character? And she shows up in the next no, one. Well, right? no, she no, she was one that there was they had built up into be like an action figure. She was supposed to be a big deal, and I think she just appears in that one scene, and that's it. And she's just watching right. the race. Right? What's her name? Aura uh -huh. Singh. So I'd be another bounty hunter there watching the race. My name is uh, Purdy Stacks, <laughs> and I am like I'm really formidable. Like I'm a I'm a badass, and you don't want to even look me in the eye. That's how intimidating I am. I watch the race, meeting a big old ice cream cone, mm -hmm. and having the time of my life rooting for. I put all my money on the guy at the beginning that also stalls out. Besides Anakin, yeah. What is that guy? They had the he had a big face, right? Like his, I think that's Ben Quadraneros. Are you kidding? You know I think it? That's him. <laughs> Do you know other characters in the pod race? There's Mandel. There's um, and there's that one that goes and then blows up. That was pretty great. I guess you could say any name and it would work. Do you have some other names you can make up? Let me see how many I got right. Sebulba, so Anakin, Ben Quadraneros, Odie yeah. Mandrell. Like I said, both of them. Uh, Rax Terrell. So I got. I got all but one. Is that's all they list? One of them on, on this page. Those are all the pod racers that they list. There's more, obviously. No, is, is that's all they list? One of the racers. That's all they list. Yeah. Let me ask you again until you get it. Is that's all they list? One of the racers. It finally worked. Um, yeah, he does have a big face. I was right about that. You actually nailed the names. You only missed one. Well, but there were more than five more, racers. Yeah, but those are the ones that are the hero ones. Good You're question. floating at sea. You're on an island that's been you know, gathering debris from all these films over the various years, and now it's your time to take something from The Phantom Menace. What are you bringing? Such a good question. So much to take from this one. And I say this as a man that's almost turning, it's about to turn 49 in two weeks. Happy birthday, early birthday. I would take maybe Jar Jar's expression when he when he hears a fart. Of course. Because <laughs> I, I, when I hear, I feel like sometimes my expression is a little bit of a letdown. I wouldn't mind a little help, a little kind of more kind of an animated reaction you know that just just tells the world if if the sounds turned all the way down that that man just heard a fart and then i'd also take a handful of midichlorians those two things <laughs> what about you <laughs> well i make some weird decisions on my island <laughs> really uh, i do and so i'm taking rick mccallum because what i need okay. i need a yes man i need somebody to make me feel like i'm making the right decisions and nobody's better at that right. than right. rick mccallum all right he Peter. died I don't know. There's no way. He, no, I'm asking he you. Okay. So he is, he is there for every decision I make, and he's like great choice. You got the, uh, you're, you got the forever burning Willem Dafoe. What a sweet choice, Georgie. You took Georgie's body. What a inspired decision you've made. And so he's there all along the way as I build the dirty minutes. He is enticed and and man, his 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 powers. Truly put to the test of yes, man. Like, uh, you're like, you're going to bring up the Missouri breaks. Yeah. Great. Great choice. It's perfect too, because he also is in moments where I'm not making a big decision. I stand him up against the wall and just wail on him. 
just deliver furious haymakers into his face, his buttocks, his chest, his abdomen. I, I pull him apart like like a like a you know you're talking about uh plushy and yeah. I've got him in like my my reverse build a bear where you just I take the innards out of things and I just I reach into Rick McCallum and just shred out. You kill him? Uh, no, I mean I, he lives. He lives. I just I, I completely screw out. I screw him from out. Punch his guts. Pull out his fucking pants and punch. Sounds yeah. normal. And I then, think. And all the while he's like, you could not have made a better choice. He's like this. This particular slam that you're giving me is fantastic. Thank you. So you said you watched that documentary where he. I'm sure he figures in. Was he sticking up for their choice? Like what was? Oh, he's he 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 is just his lips are sealed, you know, because he knows he knows where his bread's buttered. He's like Lucas needs somebody that's going to never disagree. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to get you know he's got he's licking his finger and getting the wind. He's like. Ugh. This is where Lucas is leaning. This is where I'm going to lean. You know, you've met those people in the corporate world who Does only he... make comments based on they already know the answer. They already know what what people want to hear. Did he make it all the way through all three? Yeah. Couldn't tell. He got fired uh, right at the end of the last one because craft services brought tuna salad sandwiches and Lucas wanted chicken salad. And McCallum wasn't fast enough to deny them. And uh, he got fired. Is he still out there producing? Is it what else is he doing? Oh yeah, I think he's um, he, he retired from Lucasfilm. Uh, well, when they when Walt Disney bought him, I guess that was one of the prerequisites. It's like you got to get rid of that piece of shit. But <laughs> since Lucasfilm, he's worked on a wide variety of things. Uh, he worked on a Ukraine film called In the Fog. Holy shit! What? Of course, of course, this is true. Uh, Michael York is his stepfather. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God.